Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Ruck. Hope you're all staying really well out there. Uh, bearing up, I think, what, we're in the eighth or ninth week of lockdown and uh, hoping and praying that uh, we'll be back soon with Real Rugby. We start with the incredible news from this morning's mail, the breakthrough we've been waiting for, the diet that could help you beat Corona by the Hairy Bikers. So the Hairy Bikers apparently are now ahead of the curve. Soon we'll all be able to play uh, at 100%. It'll be the end of the pandemic and rugby will be back to normal thanks to a diet from two scruffy Geordie saps. Uh, <laughs> who, who wants medical experts when you've got those two? Another thing, last night at uh, midnight, the government issued a statement which does affect rugby and says basically that without uh, any p- testing procedures, rugby can go ahead or uh, contact sports can go ahead and uh, Lawrence, I think what, what, what they're allowing is just a limited man-on-man contact in training sessions. Is that correct? Yeah, and I think what, more importantly, what they're allowing, I mean, it's a positive step. Let's just say, I, I see it as a positive step anyway, even though it was released at midnight last night. But I think what it's doing is passing the responsibility to the, uh, the administrators of, of each individual sport. The fact that they're saying that they don't have to have a, a testing procedure. You know, the Premier League footballers have already been tested twice weekly um, at a cost of about £4 million. And a similar programme is not required under this new government guideline for elite sports. So, you know, it's up to rugby now and the people that are organising, you know, Operation Restart to, to take on board whatever those uh, recommendations are from the government and to decide, you know, to what extent the sport needs to, um, to move forward and at what time, I guess. I do see it as positive. The latest I'm hearing from you know people that are close to some of those conversations is that they may be looking to start as late as August um, with a final in sort of mid-October. Now I know that sounds crazy, but uh, you know as, you, as as you've said, rugby can't just jump straight back in. It's got to take you know the, the necessary precautionary steps because if you know what we can't have is a, is a season that starts and then stops again because that would be quite a sort of fatal and almost catastrophic blow to the whole of the sport. 
Okay, we've got uh, with us as well as Lawrence, got Owen Slot and Stuart Barnes. So Stuart, just uh, something that Lawrence and you possibly disagree on, um, that uh, you were saying today, for goodness sake, forget the rest of the season. There's nine games left in the Premiership, plus a possible two playoff games. I think there's uh, there's the quarterfinal semis and uh, final Europe. And your, your view was, let's forget that. It all becomes a little bit complicated and, and harsh. We'll come back to Lawrence on that in a second. Just give us the basis of that of that view, Stuart. Well, like like Lawrence, I've sort of predicated that even if things go fairly positively in terms of kicking off in uh, mid-August, you're talking about October the 24th is realistically a final date around then. You're relying on no internationals at Twickenham before. There probably won't be any, but it's not just about this season, Steve. I think we've got to look at rugby now at a professional level, not just this season, but a, a chunk almost 2019, uh, 2020 and 2021. This season kicks <clears> off again and the next one doesn't kick off until effectively November. You are running, this train is just running at 100 miles an hour and it's going to crash into the Six Nations. It doesn't work. I mean, we're talking about when this season finishes. When the hell is the next one going to finish? And how is it going to finish? You're going to have to play through the Six Nations and have absolutely risible standards of rugby. Second teams all the time. Are they going to try and have this horrendous midweek rugby where suddenly player welfare means absolutely nothing? How, how do we get to the Lions tour, which I think we... we all want to see as a, a panacea to make us smile. How do we how do we get there? Playing through to the end of October, the 2020 season, straight through into 2021. And if that's starting 10 weeks late or something, then where do we catch up the time? And if we don't catch up the time, the reality is your final is going to be after the Lions test series. In your capacity as uh, at WAS, you, you, you know, you'll be desperate for cash flow, etc. How do you uh, sort out the, the, the big mess that Stuart's outlined there? Well, to be honest with you, I, I don't disagree with Stuart. I'm not, I'm not personally, whether, regardless of my role as a, uh, you know, working for BT's rugby team or actually in my, in my capacity as a board director at WAS, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that it's imperative that the season restarts. I, I think that I don't believe that at all. I think that it's gone beyond that point now. And I would be very comfortable trying to get the schedule sorted out for next season. And Stuart wrote a really interesting piece in the, uh, in the Times about BT stepping it's up. It's not going that far. And, being a, <laughs> and being, a, being a true partner. And, um, you know, hmm. far be it for me to speak on behalf of the people at BT. But there's one year left on the... Uh, on the on the on the TV contract, and uh, you know, I believe negotiations were taking place pre-coronavirus to extend that by another four years. Now, in the true sense of partnership, there's nothing to stop BT from uh, re-entering into those negotiations now, signing a new five-year deal, and maybe paying the clubs some money up front and mm. smoothing the um, you know their financial return out over the uh, remaining four or five years of their deal so that the clubs can um, can rest a little bit easier than they are currently and they can everyone you know together can focus on creating a a calendar and a product that mm. is um, you know that is even better than what we've seen because it, quite honestly if you're the broadcaster you know <laughs> you should be the one dictating when the season starts and finishes and 
you should be the one deciding, you know, when the international breaks are. Because at the moment, let's be honest, we, we've all been moaning for years that the season is a mess, regardless of coronavirus. It's a mess and uh, it needs to be resolved. And I think to Stuart's point, you know, I think we can resolve it once and for all. But let's not beat about it. There is a lot of financial pressures and the TV company, in our case, BT, can really step up and, uh, and make a big difference here. Owen, do you uh, do you see yourself um, reporting on the remainder of the current season for the Times? Jones, I just just want to say hi first. I just okay. I thought, thought you were ignoring me for a little bit. I was been sitting on my end line, being a very good boy, waiting for you to come to me. So, right. so hello, Jonesy. How are you? I've missed okay. you. You're looking absolutely dynamite in you, in your Zoom much. in your Zoom shed. Thank you. Um, do I expect to be reporting on the rest of the season? Yes, I, I think there'll be some kind of a season. I don't know, I don't know how much or what, or what it is. The powers that be want to get it on because they want the TV money, but they also come to the conclusion that actually the TV money doesn't really do much for them because it's almost as expensive to come out of furlough and play as it is yeah. as it is not. So, so th- there's that question. I think from a sort of marketing and sort of goodwill point of view, and because they talk so much of it, I think they do want do want to come out, but. It's, it's stretching longer and longer and, and we're back in a situation where the clubs can't seem to agree on how to come back, how long it's going to take to come back, what sort of, you know, the competition is going to start, um, what the competition is going to look like. So, yeah, it's, we're, we're talking about another messy premiership um, disagreement. Yesterday, the, the, the chairman of Huddersfield Town Football Club uh, was surveying the scene and said he expects 50 or 60 institutions in the Football League uh, to, to go to go to the wall. That was a, a grim number. Do you expect to be reporting next season on all the major sporting institutions in rugby that exist at the moment? Or do you think some will go to the wall? Yeah, I think some will go to the wall. There's a, a lot of chatter about, you know, there's 13 premiership clubs, 12 would be better, which is a pretty harsh way of looking at it, but everyone knows it. Or will we end up at 10? You also, I'm also hearing about certain clubs releasing loads of players for next season mm. uh, as a further way of cutting their costs. Yeah, we, 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 we've known how poor the finances were before um, uh, coronavirus. So if one or two or more go out of business as a result of it, then it's only, it's no surprise. We've, we've seen it coming. Lawrence, you um, uh, also feel you'll be restarting as a broadcaster in front of empty stadiums. And, and what do you think of, uh, I mean, BT are covering the Bundesliga. Sky have also shown golf, uh, the Bundesliga with no crowd and golf with no caddies. What's your view? Is it really sport when there's no one there? Well, I think my view is that we'll be apologising every 10 seconds for the industrial language uh, <laughs> that's appearing on the uh, on our TV screens. And we have to do that to the, uh, you know, to, to Ofcom. But uh, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's far from ideal. There's lots of words that you can describe about live sport and, uh, you know, the skill and, and the character and etc. But atmosphere is also one. And you know, I've been watching Bundesliga football, signed up with a fantasy team and, um, you know, on players I've never heard of, obviously. And it's a, it's a difficult watch, isn't it, really? It's not, it's not ideal. And rugby, I mean, in one way, it'd be quite fascinating because you'd get to hear every single word that's said by the players. And it'd be lovely mm. to, uh, to hear, um, you know, forwards turning around to backs and giving them a hard time when they're, well, you know, when they're messing up. And similarly, it'd be lovely to hear backs turning around to their forwards and, you know, giving them a rocket up the backside when... Um, when they get knocked back behind the game line. So in one way, I think it is quite fascinating to hear those things, which possibly we're not able to pick up necessarily 
when the crowds are there. But on the other hand, it, it, rugby, more than anything, relies on that kind of gladiatorial atmosphere. And if you take away the, um, the crowd, it's not Rome, is it? Stuart, A, would it feel like real rugby to you as, as an ex, uh, well, as a, as a broadcaster? Would it feel like real rugby or almost like an excuse? And B, a supplementary, uh, we're hearing, uh, heard last week in the Times from Martin Ziegler that World Rugby allegedly were trying to devise a form of rugby which didn't have scrums and balls. Uh, I think we both know that that, that that will never happen. But what, what's, the, what's the new era look like to you? The law changes, I'm going to just dismiss. World Rugby, I think probably, as in the way in our global progress, we go about one step forward and two back. Uh, World Rugby go one forward and three back and you know that's a few more backward steps and it'll amount to nothing. I'm afraid the days of the IRB are almost days we pine for. It's disappointing. But anyway, to happier moments, I think that it will feel like rugby. Well, essentially, I, it won't sound like rugby for a lot of people. Lawrence's point about the atmosphere is important. I think Rugby union has a lot of errors because it has a lot of intense pressure applied by one side on the other, team without the ball. And I think, first of all, fans watching it on telly will think, geez, he missed touch, he threw a forward pass when he didn't need to. And the skill level in professional rugby, which is pretty poor compared to something like, say, tennis and golf, initially will be concerned with that. But I think then mm. what we'll pick up and what will fascinate, and, and Lawrence mentioned it, and I, I wrote a piece, I said, hearing rugby as opposed to seeing rugby. Now, when I go to a training session, I'm fascinated. Lawrence will know the cacophony in a defensive session, all the talk. And, and I think 99% of television viewers and rugby fans won't understand quite how much talk there is throughout the game and it, it rugby is is a very very noisy sport and mm. i think for a few weeks there will be a definite novelty factor when we'll be hearing rugby as well as seeing it and I, i'm intrigued with that and the other thing i would say lawrence mentioned the bad language he's absolutely right i it just, you know, everybody in the world swears, but Ofcom doesn't seem to understand that rugby players and footballers are, are different. So, you know, you say bloody and, it, and you get your producer in the ear saying, for God's sake, apologise, someone said bloody. So we could end up with the referee's mic turned down because that's the prime mic that picks up all the players. Yeah, yeah. But if we turn the referee's mic down, we won't hear that endless twittering crap from referees using first name terms oh, yeah. throughout. Hang on a sec. Do, do you think that we'll um, start to understand players uh, in a better or slightly different way? Because uh, th this whole thing of what, what you're hearing, mm. we, you know, pe people say, oh, Owen Farrell is the best communicator out there. He's yeah. always talking. Well, we don't really hear that. We hear him complaining to refs. So we hear Marrow's endless kind of motivation, uh, but, but we don't hear much more than that. People, people always say, oh, Will Greenwood was one of the, the, the best communicators in the game, always talking to Johnny, telling him what to do. Well, well, that's what people said. I mean, personally, I watched enough of those games. I heard, I heard 
hardly ever heard anything just because that wasn't available to us in the, mm. in the stand. So do you think we'll, is that part of the, the new interest that we'll, we'll be slightly reassessing players from that point of view? It's still a substitute for 80,000 people getting into it passionately. Yeah, but game, I think Owen does have a point, Steve, in the sense if you really, now, right now, when we talk about second rows, we talk about winning line outs, hitting rights, we talk about scrum halves kicking and passing and centres doing that. We talk about the skills we can see. What we don't talk about are the intangibles. And communication is an absolutely key intangible. And what I like about it as well, when directors of rugby love to say to journalists, uh, you don't know the other bits that yeah. are going on. You just see so-and-so. Well, actually, yeah. here in the game, we'll pick up a lot more. And we'll know whether Farrell is as great a communicator okay. as we're told. And whether Atoje is the sort of man to inspire. So I think, you know, it's not the same, Steve, as 80,000, and I think we'll lose far more than we'll gain, but what we'll gain will be fascinating. Okay. Lawrence, can I just go on to um, a third point? Can I just go on to uh, sort of financial news? Um, And it's probably better news. Last week, um, there were were rumours that uh, CVC were not going to come in and go ahead with signing the, the Guinness Pro 14. Not, but not only did they sign, but they signed for exactly the same amount as, as was expected before coronavirus. Mm. Um, is it, as far as you know, is it good news that CVC have stuck with it and they've not made big deductions in terms of uh, the effect of, of the virus and that appear to be possibly a saviour in the new era? I think it's obviously positive news for the, for the Pro 14, isn't it? and it does have an, an impact on, on, on rugby in, in the wider sense. I mean, I, I'm no uh, hedge funder or certainly no, you know, financial analyst. But uh, from from seeing what CBC did with Formula One, they're not in, the, you know, they're not in it to make money in the short term. They're in it for the for much more for the longer haul. So mm. having already made a significant investment in in Premiership rugby, and obviously having already opened up negotiations all over the world with with every single union and structure on, in, in and competition in in the sport, you know, what they've obviously felt is. Um, is they're not going to they're not about to pull out now. So no, it's, I think it is a positive move and uh, great news for the for the Pro 14. But as I said, I think they're they're looking at this you know in much more longer term. And you know clearly they feel that um, that rugby has a has a very strong life post um, the Corona crisis, whenever that might be. Lawrence, in terms of uh, the money where where it goes, I mean there are twelve clubs or thirteen clubs, and the deal has been signed by Premier, Premiership Rugby. I noticed yeah. that this morning the, the Scottish Rugby Union was saying, oh, this is great, and don't forget, this money will be used for the betterment of the sport. And they were talking about the grassroots, universities, etc. Surely this money is for the professional arm of the game and the professional elite <laughs> arm of the game. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, CBC have paid to uh, better the game of rugby uh, uh, no. uh, at every single level, that's for sure. Every pitch I've ever heard in terms of winning the Olympic Games rights or TV rights or whatever it is talks about legacy and talks about funding throughout the game. And then once the competition's over, everyone sort of gets in their in their cars and, and trots off into the into the sunset. So, you know, for me, the priorities for rugby are obviously um, are changing day by day in terms of the financial priorities. But the sport, um, and I and I maintain this point, the sport has not grown exponentially. Club rugby in this country for for, for a long, long time. You know, the crowds have got bigger uh, in finals only because the stadium capacities have got bigger. I think the uh, the biggest chunk that, that rugby needs to invest in 
is is in attracting new audiences and growing the sport. And there's lots of different ways of doing that. And as I understand, CBC's investment in rugby, there was going to be a um, a pot of money in the region of about 40 to 50 million pounds that was going to be devoted to marketing and growing the game. Now, right. whether that yes. whether that pot still exists now is, mm. is a mute point because clearly mm. the financial pressures that have come on board you know, the clubs would say, well, look, we, you know, we need to survive before we grow the game. So, you know, for me, you know, part of CBC's role is to, uh, is to make sure that the sport is watched by, by the younger generation and new audiences. And uh, if there is one criticism of, of, uh, of the Premiership, I don't think any more people are watching the sport now than were watching it when Martin Johnson was strutting his stuff or, or, uh, or guys in, in the era that I played in. So, I think there is a, a duty to, to continually grow the sport. And, and by that, you've got to market the game outside of the channel that it's showed on. Because <laughs> there's only a certain number of people that watch BT Sport. And, uh, mm. you know, there's a lot of other rugby fans who, who could be brought to the game. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. Owen George Cruz is now confirming that he's going to go to Japan, which is quite a thing because he is a, he's not 34. He's a, he, he played very well at the World Cup and should be in his prime. Do you find that odd that he's going? I mean, it's not a, that sensational story because he's been talking about it for ages. But A, do you think it's odd he's going? And B, who does that let in with a chance for the England team, Slotty? It's not such a surprise, is it? Because when he came off the uh, came off the pitch after his last England game against Wales, he actually waved to the crowd as if he was saying goodbye to them. <coughs> so, so we 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 it, it's not a well kept secret. Given what's happened with Saracens, I think it's a brilliant move for him because he he wouldn't want to play in the Championship for a season. And he's got an opportunity to do something, um, you know, really different and interesting. So I think good for him. You say he, he, it's not like a retirement package for him. He's signed, I think, for, for one year with an option of two. So And he's 30 years old now. So he could come back at the age of 31 and fight his way back into the England squad. Though, you know, the, the point is, you know, he's uh, Marrow's the England's number one lock. And then probably you'd say Courtney Laws would be number two. So he, he's of an age. And, 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 and then... 
you've got Joe Joe Launchbury and George and George Cruz. Probably George Cruz will be, will be third spot, and he'll lose that spot for a season. And other players will come through. You know, Charlie Yules is is a, a player that coaches really like, but I don't think he's ever really done it for England yet. No, no. Maybe, maybe he maybe finally gets a run and 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 proves his worth. You know, going back to a previous conversation, Yules is one of these players who we hear is a great communicator and and and, and does all that stuff that we that we hear about but can't see. So maybe it's him, you know, a little further down the line, you know, the, the, the next big great lock that we've been sort of hearing and talking about for a little while now is, um, is uh, Cruz's um, Saracen's uh, teammate, Joel Kapoku, who's 20 or 21, I think. Um, and he's a phenomenal athlete, it's very much from the marrow mould. So maybe that gives him the chance to come through. I mean, I, I suppose the, is it a gamble for Cruz to, to go and think he can come back and get back in? I think it is, but maybe maybe he's seen his international career dwindling at the same time, and has decided to have a chance on other world experiences. I mean, I, I'd take I'd take a year abroad if I was given one right now. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a gamble. Far from being a gamble, I think a year in Japan can you know at the age of thirty, a year in Japan can prolong your international career rather than damage it. Because uh, yeah. you mm-hmm. know if you pop over to Japan and, and play a dozen games at the intensity that they're played at over there. George Cruz might well come back in a year. He may well extend it. He's got an option to extend it for one more season after that if he's enjoying himself. And he'll take a look back at the Premiership and see what's going on. But having played back-to-back Premiership and European seasons myself for many years, he'll probably come back and, and slot straight back into the squad because there'll be four or five quite significant injuries in that position. I suppose one, thing, one point on, on that is that, is that you have some coaches who, who like to build their team and once you're in it, you're in it, and it's quite hard to break in. Whereas I think Eddie's not really from that mould at all, and, and um, I think he might have been out of the picture for a while. But if you come back in, then then you're in. I mean, look how look how long it took Brad Shields to get into the team. You know, all he had to do was get on a plane from New Zealand, and he was in. So, so mm-hmm. I, I I do agree with you there, Lawrence. That uh, that out of, out of sight doesn't mean out of mind. So I was mentioning Gloucester, and we're, we're all tend to be fairly well disposed to Gloucester because we, I think we all know what a brilliant thing it would be if they were really contending. And I don't mean top six, I mean for the top two. That day has been postponed for so long. Ackerman came and we thought, well, this guy's got a record. This could be the guy who finally gets hold of them. Was it not really, really disappointing to hear that that, that project is now over and Ackerman's gone? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed for a few reasons. Primarily... I just get so fed up when clubs and boards offer new contracts, someone signs them to take the financial security, and then lo and behold, um, he said for personal reasons, personal reasons is a way of telling us in the media, please don't pry into why I'm breaking my contract and going to Japan. And in, in its own way, you know, it's tearing up the contracts. I think it's every bit uh, as unwholesome as drug taking in sport i think it's as, as immoral you know it, well, it's a world it, it, it's it's a world isn't it where you know financial might is right it, we go back to england who boasted about force about taking eddie jones out of western stormers because they had the money just take him they boasted about it this is not the way to um this is not the way to develop sport. It is not the image for sport. So Ackerman going to Japan, as he did, Steve, disappoints me hugely. People are saying 
Well, they had a bad. They were they they're ninth in the Premiership at the moment. They have been scruffy. Things haven't gone well. I've heard quite a lot of disaffection from Gloucester players um, about the influence of his son. But nevertheless, David Humphreys made a decision last year. He signed him up. And then, unless Gloucester say, you know, maybe they are thinking, hey, well, we'll get out of this extra money. Even so, the fact that he went there and said, I've got other options. Can I go? I find mm. unedifying. I don't like it. And, and, and it's not just Ackerman. It's the whole softness of contracts what 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 are the points if, if one of you can tell me what is the point of a contract anymore mm. because i don't know anyone in the world of sport who isn't free with their agent to go and just tear it up and walk away you know if you look back in history particularly in rugby the most successful teams that can't conquer the titles or europe if, if you're not united from within mm. and clearly i'm not quite sure what's happened at gloucester but there's obviously a situation where ackerman felt maybe last season and the season before, that he had the confidence of the owner and of the CEO. And I think over a period of the last 12 months, you know, he's obviously clearly felt that that, that unity and that confidence that perhaps they gave him 12 months ago doesn't exist because uh, they didn't exactly uh, stop him from walking out the door, did they, really? So it whiffs a little bit of something uh, internal going on there like mm. a bit of a mutiny and um, to have a successful rugby club you, you, you know you need the senior players to be totally at one with the coaching staff when Warren Gatlin was running Wasp with, with Sean Edwards we had a, we had a group of uh, a very tight senior playing group and uh, you know we challenged each other they challenged us um, we sorted our differences out together in a room and we went out on the training field and we didn't go running over to the CEO or running over to uh, our owner and moaning about the fact that we had some issues on the coaching side you just sort it out with your coaches and for that I feel very disappointed mm. it's a distinct lack of leadership from the senior playing group and uh, if they want to go in a different direction then uh, there's, there's ways and, and means about going about it. Oh, and who's the next um, the, who's the next uh, Gloucester saviour? Who in your opinion might uh, get in there and actually kick a few backsides and get them up to where they could be? Is there anyone? Is there a line of coaches waiting? I don't think anyone's going to get them up to where they where where, you, where you're suggesting because I think it's one of the clubs that's most desperately struggling with the uh, new financial circumstances and and I think Gloucester will be cutting their cloth accordingly and that's one of the reasons why they did let Ackerman go. So uh, that that lovely um, season when they got into the playoffs and we thought this is this is the Gloucester relaunch. I think that was a temporary thing, but who's going to be next? Well, there's a, there's a lot of talk of Barnes. You wrote about this last week, didn't you? About Rory Teague being the um, being the mm-hmm. coming man, which is which is quite possible. Very highly, very very highly rated uh, English coach, and there is talk of Rob Howley as well, which I think's I think is really interesting. Can't quite get my head around that. Lawrence might have a view, so you know um, as well as anyone uh, on this pod. Yeah, I mean Gloucester are like the monster of English rugby, aren't they? Really, they, you know, um, they've got this incredible following that if you galvanised it in the right way, you know, that in itself emotionally could carry you to uh, a dozen victories a season at least. You know, it's not rocket science. You know, when we first took up, when I first took up the sport, it was the most um, you know fearsome atmosphere in, in the whole of. Uh, in the whole of club rugby, but um, that's not something we're going to have now for a few months or, or a few years. So, yeah, look, they, they, they've got a very talented playing squad. I think I don't think you know Gloucester or any other teams will be adding massively to their playing squads in the next uh, 12 months. So it's a question of um, 
sticking with what you've got. So I think all the co you know, Wasps have done the same with Lee Blackett because they did a global search of, of all those who were available uh, and didn't feel that there was uh, anyone that they needed to rush into bringing in. So uh, I think Gloucester will do the same. I think the, the key question is, can they get more out of the playing group than they've managed to do over the last 12 to 18 months? Because let's be honest, they, 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 they challenged, but they were nowhere near the top. I mean, they got to fourth spot and then they were mm. completely blown away. Um, so they were, a long, they were a long way away from winning any silverware, quite frankly. Maybe Michael Checker's the answer. As, you, as you'll have noticed from my outstanding interview in the Times last week, he's uh, quite, quite keen on a, on, a new, on a new job and wouldn't mind coming to England. Where do you reckon he might pop up? Yeah, hang on a minute. We're, we're, we're all talking, and you just said it, Owen, we're talking about clubs having to cut their cloth accordingly to coronavirus. There's money going down. And, and then, then you see in the papers, they're saying, you know, can we get Cockers? Can we get Stuart Lancaster? Rob Howley, Michael Checker, Gloucester aren't a rich club. That's why Rory Teague makes sense because they can get a bloke who knows the club inside out and can go up there. This is not a time when Gloucester are going to break a bank. And I, I, I like the idea of Rob Howley, Jonesy, but I think he might be the right man at the wrong time. And, and Teague fits Gloucester's build because I don't think Gloucester at the moment are thinking, how do we take the Premiership by storm? How are we the top team in the league in two years? I think Gloucester are thinking, how do we sustain ourselves? How do we survive this? And if they can be six or seven, Jonesy, a couple of years, I think they'll be extremely happy. Chaps, I think that's uh, we, we covered all the uh, bases there, really. But there's just one more thing, as uh, just to get out. We're pretty depressed about uh, lockdown and uh, and obviously the, the casualty list, etc. There's a certain number of uh, of green shoots in terms of rugby. Uh, I know it's nothing compared to the losses, but um, we said uh, today that uh, there's just a certain relaxation in terms of, of rugby training. CVC has certainly got potential to to help out in the recovery. There's also talk that at last the Six Nations, the Rugby Championship are, are getting are getting together. Do you think that it is still savable as a proper professional sport uh, with prospects going forward, provided the right decisions are being made now? Because surely in this in this space we have to sort out the whole of rugby in the future. Have we got the ability to do that, or are we going to miss the chance to get even worse? Lawrence, are you optimistic? Oh, you know me. I'm always very optimistic. Everything comes to those that wait. And, uh, you know, I'm not in any rush. You know, yes, I'm, I'm missing my job. I should be, uh, you know, we should be talking and celebrating the, the biggest games of the uh, of the club season right here, right now. But, uh, you know, I, I do... I do feel that the uh, that the sport is at a, a, a has got the ability to come out the other side much better off uh, if we get some real leadership from the top and we all get together and, and work out how, how that happens. So uh, no, no, I'm 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 optimistic. If it was up to me, we'd we'd be uh, you know we'd we'd end lockdown a lot less cautiously than we're trying to at the moment. But that's just me. I'm a bit of a risk taker. You know, I think you listen to scientists and no one's agreeing. You listen to governments around the world, no one's agreeing. Eight weeks ago, everyone told me this is a disease that everyone's going to catch. Well, you know, we, we've got to get out there and catch it and recover from it, you know, quite frankly, because I do think we are strong enough to recover from it. You know, I'd like to see things speeded up rather than slowed down. Yeah, Lawrence for president, well, we, I say. Come on, Lawrence for president. I'm with him all the way. Come on, well, Lawrence. We, we, we tried to press you into administration and you're just refusing to do it. 
no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not the minister. Unfortunately, as you, you can tell, tell. I, say things, I say things that people don't want to hear. Isn't that, isn't that our dream team? Mark Evans and Lawrence Lallio, and then we'll just right. end up doing the oh, rock on our own without them. We'll give Stuart the last word. Stuart, you've been very, very exercised the last few days about uh, Johnson and Cummins. You've been really uh, on the barricades there, commentating uh, about these two guys. Can I put a question to you about Cummins and Johnson? You can, Steve. Uh, do you rate Pat Cummins and Mitchell Johnson as one of the great Australian uh, bowling attacks? I was thinking we were going to talk about Cummings the honey bear. Do you remember the winger? Oh, yeah. yeah. Western Australia winger. I think he'd do a better job advising Johnson than this Cummings, and I would much prefer Mitchell Johnson, Michael Johnson, or Martin Johnson, and I'm talking about the writer, not the player, leading the country, <laughs> than Boris Johnson. So right. that's my take on that. So the, the hands of the, Martin Johnson, the player, it's all in his hands together with the hairy, scruffy bikers. They are the people taking us through. Thank you for listening to The Ruck. Thank you to Stuart and to Lawrence and to Owen. Uh, we'll still be going all throughout the lockdown and come out the other end, God willing. And thanks to Million for listening to us. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is... AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.